Welcome aboard, everybody. I'm Jim Feisich, along with Jane Benson, for another great podcast. Earlier today, if you missed it, we had Mike, author Mike Walsh on. Make sure you listen to that. We're going to play that during this podcast, too. Mike had a lot of crazy things to say about the upcoming election. He's getting a little bit worried. Also made sort of a semi-prediction, didn't he, about the vice presidential selection. He said, if they're smart, they'll pick this person. I'm not going to give it away. You're going to have to listen to the show to hear it. And also he had things to say about the shutdown of the economy. He wasn't crazy about that either. He thought that was overdone. It might have been overblown. I don't know. You guys will have to decide if it was overblown. Did the video start? Because I don't see any notification. Just, oh, hit us. Hit us. I got it. We're beautiful. Yep, the video started. The Hi, everybody. Okay, so uh, if you have any questions, now I'll give you the numbers now. The phone numbers are 860-888-2101. We are going to have Don Pesci online in a minute. But if you have any questions for him, you can call in, and then you will have to hang up and listen to the answers because we still, I don't know if we ever will figure out why the other phone is not doing um, both for us. But um, here we go. Ready? Okay. Um, Into an automated voice messaging system. That's not the number. Eight. No, it's not. Six. So there we go again. Thank you, James. Where's okay. his number? I, I don't have, have his number. Um, I'll have to get it again. Tom Pesci. Here's I saw it, but that's not the number. Where it says home. I get it, but it didn't work the first time, so... Then we have to call a cell phone. Do we have another... You'll have to call a cell phone. I don't have another home number. Forwarded to an automated voice messaging system. Well, that happened... Okay, call a cell phone. I'm not calling his cell phone because I don't have the number. I have a cell phone, I thought. Yeah, you just gave me a cell phone. Yeah, it's upstairs. I think I typed it in then. Yeah, if that's it, that's wrong. It's six zero. All right. Well, I. Verizon Wireless. Your call cannot be completed as dialed. Please. Can you go upstairs and get a cell number? Yeah, I can go I know you did. That's his home number. I'm going to call right now from here and see if he answers. Messaging system. Eight, six, zero, four, nine, zero, two. To an automated voice messaging system. Eight, six, zero, four, nine, zero, two, eight, seven, three. He's not answering either number. Oh, it's not that he's not answering either number. You have his home number. Which, do you have another Don Pesci? That's the only Don Pesci home number I have. Do you have another? From now on, system? they've got to call us. Do you have another radio system? No, I don't. That's the only number I have, and I just dialed it, and he's not there. Sorry about that. No, we can start with Mike Walsh. Okay, start with Mike. Okay. okay. 
Anyway, here's the interview with Mike Walsh. Yeah. Numbers. Yes. Which one? Call him from this one. Okay. There is the food. This is just wonderful. Okay. Hey, Jen. Hey, Don. I'm sorry we had trouble getting a hold of you. Uh, we it's couldn't right. find the right number. I apologize. But our audience okay. is waiting with Bader Beth to hear what you have to say. Mike was on earlier today. I don't know if you got a chance to hear Mike Walsh, but he's pretty ups- he was pretty upset, as you could hear, about the shutdown of the economy. He thought it was way overblown. What about you, Don? Do you think it was? Well, the- I, no, I, I liked very much what he said about flattening curves. Now, because when you flatten the curve, it's not it's not a prophylactic. You know, when you flatten the curve, uh, all you're doing is preventing uh, you're preventing uh, uh, natural uh, you know uh, natural immunity from uh, developing. So you're lengthening the amount of time uh, that it uh, that it otherwise would happen to. Uh, otherwise, the 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 virus uh, might have uh, dissipated a long time ago if uh, people were not concentrated so fiercely on uh, flattening the curve. So I liked what he, I liked what he said there. Um, well, we're going to play I, it a little bit later after we talk to you, so our entire audience will get a chance to hear him uh, within right. this podcast. Right. Well, the, my latest that he's actually... That deals with that, doesn't it, Don? Yeah, a little bit. It's called Connecticut, the State of Indecision. And... Um, uh, what happened recently was that uh, uh, what, happened, Governor, what is up with uh, Ned Lamont? He's acting like a communist for crying out loud. Setting up a snitch line, two one one snitch line, snitch on your neighbor. You know that's how yeah. the East Germans used to survive by snitches. Yeah, setting up a not, snitch line. It's not, not a, just these. It's not a question of survival. It's just a you know people when we first started. Getting into this uh, quarantine, people would be getting together, and you're looking at your neighbors, wondering, "Should I call nine one one?" You know, because people are gathering together. But Jane, um, you would know about snitches from your communist days, right? Never met one. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Don. Don, you? Don, you heard the story about uh, what happened to Jane's great grandfather, right? He was beheaded oh, yeah. by so Stalin. Well. Well, you know what Stalin's famous saying was, uh, no man, no problem. Ah. Uh, you know, so um, that's, uh, you know, he was, just a, he was just a mass murderer. He also said about murder that uh, mass murder, you know, doesn't really register on the conscience, uh, you know. But, uh, you know, if you kill one man, uh, that's a murder. If you kill uh, hundreds of thousands of men, that's uh, just, uh, you know, can be discounted. So he was that kind of guy. He's not a nice man. Well, as it turns out, he killed Jane's great-grandfather by mistake. Somebody snitched on him, and the snitch was a bad snitch. In other words, it was not grounded in that. There was no, there was no um, um, habeas corpus innocent until proven guilty in a communist government. You know that. So yeah, he, was right. just, he was just killed by a snitch. Well, doesn't it sound like now, right now, somebody accuses you, and you have to pr- prove that you're innocent? Right? Yeah. It, doesn't it sound like these days? 
Look at what right. they're they doing. Have, the, the, the difference is that uh, Stalin uh, you know, had genuine uh, power to uh, a life and death power over people, but uh, Ned Lamont, I don't think so. Don, I had so much trouble uh, getting you on the line. I didn't introduce you properly. For those of you who don't know who Don Pesci is, he's actually a conservative columnist here in liberal Connecticut and does quite well with it. He's a Radio Vice Online contributor. You can find his columns right at RadioViceOnline.com. This latest column is at DonPesci.blogspot.com. And the latest one is called Connecticut, the State of Indecision, and it's really about... Uh, uh, Lamont and uh, and his uh, various dicta on uh, on uh, hair salons. You know, he, he started off by he started off by saying we're going to open the hair salons, and uh, so all the hair salon uh, owners uh, made uh, strenuous efforts to open their salons, calling their customers or whatever. And uh, then uh, he decided, uh, you know, blow dryers uh, weren't uh, weren't really uh, a good thing. So he banned blow dryers, and uh, African American uh, salon owners uh, were upset by that because uh, you know the hair of African Americans is uh, somewhat different than that of uh, than that of Caucasian uh, uh, women, uh, and uh, so uh, he he withdrew that and said, okay, you can use the uh, blow dryers. And now you know, last couple of days ago, he said, well, we're not going to open them after all because you can't kind of- pander too much, Don. Yeah, oh, I'll tell you. You know, it's this kind of indecision that uh, that is uh, that is sounds a death knell uh, to uh, ordinary businesses here in the state because uh, businesses depend on uh, they depend on uh, uh, you know knowing uh, what's going to happen tomorrow and the day after tomorrow. And on the small changing. business people I've talked to have said they they're going to find it very hard to make it back because some of their customers will have gone elsewhere. Absolutely, that's right. And uh, you know, so he's uh, you know he's just he had a conversation actually with uh, with uh, Gina Romano Romano of uh, Rhode uh, Island. Yeah, the governor of Rhode Island, and uh, she uh, she's you know not opening her uh, salon. So he decided, well, I'm not going to open mine either. And uh, he really hasn't. He was questioned about. It. He was questioned about it by. Uh, uh, Kent Dixon, and he said, uh, as I quote here, he said, exact date hasn't been specified, you know. So he's uh, more worried about the people of Rhode Island than he is about the people of Connecticut? Yeah, you know, I mean, really, uh, you know, the, I don't know how many people, uh, I don't know how many people in Connecticut uh, uh, voted uh, for uh, Ramondo to uh, establish uh, policies affecting people in Connecticut. How many? Do you know of anybody? I don't. I don't. By the way, uh, Jeff in the chat room just asked John, who's trimming Lamont's hair, by the way? And it does look pretty trim, let me just yeah. say. Uh, think- his, wife is, his wife is multi-talented, so maybe uh, she's doing it. I don't know. <laughs> Don, we just went to a pet store today to buy, buy hair clippers. We had a, um interesting dispute in a car. Mr. Vaisovich told me he was not going to let me cut his hair. And then we still ended up going to a pet store because we have to do something. He's starting to really look like Einstein besides being oh, a yeah. madman, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Well, you know, if he, if he brushes up on his mathematics, that might not be a bad thing. Huh? <laughs> you know, um, 
Listen, the uh, my friend sent me a thing. Channel three did a thing on how it's, the schools are going to look when they open, and it's pretty frightening. And I don't know how they're going to do it. And if children find out that school is go- school's going to be seven days a week, year round, maybe they ought to pro- protest. Protest. You can find the uh, Channel three video at radioadviceonline dot com. It's very interesting. Go there and watch it. Jane posted it. What schools? Yeah, one are of my the- neighbors. One of my neighbors is a teacher in Hartford, uh, actually. So I was questioning him at, at length when I was a, a somebody dropped off eight yards of mulch and I had to spread, spread it all over the lawn. <laughs> so I was well, I, I was uh, looking for some reason not to do it, and we had a long conversation about education in Hartford. And uh, he said, uh, "There's not the problem with education in Harvard is that there's not one problem. There's like multiple problems, and they and all together they make uh, education really almost impossible." I asked him, uh, you know, how he was getting along with uh, tele uh, tele educating, and uh, he said, uh, "Well, you know, it's okay if um, you're doing it with students you've had before, but if you have new students." By the way, uh, and, Don, if I may interject right here, my son just informed me he teaches at KO in West Hartford, Kingswood, Oxford. He left New Haven right. school system. He teaches at KO, and he said he won the uh, Teaching Award of the Year there, the Robert wow. Swain Memorial Award established in honor of a former teacher there. So he's won the Teacher of the Year Award and selected by the students and the faculty together. He teaches a new way, a new method that he learned at Columbia University. I don't know if you know, he got his master's in math from Connecticut, UConn, got his master's in teaching from Columbia University. Yeah, that's a good school. Columbia is good for teaching. You know, they're, they're very good. They're a little experimental. Yep, they are. Very good. And the method he's using, it's called knowledge-based learning. In other words, they don't teach by hammering it into you the way that the nuns did it with me. They teach by, it's called knowledge-based. They teach based on what you already know. So it's knowledge on top of knowledge. Not all teachers can do that, but he's been doing it for a while since he got out of Columbia. And apparently it's so good it won him this award. And a lot of teachers are starting to come around to that method. That was good. You know, uh, that's really good. Uh, Schools are suffering from multiple problems, you know. Uh, especially the inner city uh, schools, they they're really suffering from a lot of problems. The only person I know who's written intelligently about uh, about uh, schools in the inner cities is uh, Chris Powell, and uh, he says that the, the principal problem there is uh, really cultural. Uh, it's the result of uh, the result of uh, uh, women uh, having uh, children out of wedlock, and then those children having children out of uh, wedlock. And uh, it's just not the same thing uh, that, that as when you, when you actually have a man in the house who, has, who, who exerts a, a certain amount of control over boys. Uh, so education in the cities is particularly hard uh, with boys. I've written about it. Uh, I, I've written about it because there are some very good schools uh, that are sort of experimental schools uh, in the city's charter schools, uh, the Amistad Academy is probably one of the best schools in the, in, in in the whole country, and that started in New Haven. Uh, so, Chris taught I in thought, New Haven for a while. 
Yeah, yeah. And uh, they they uh, have uh, they they are very very serious about their pedagogy. You know, uh, they're very serious about it. Uh, yeah. They're very serious about students. I found out that uh, that uh, something like fifty uh, percent of the students who graduated uh, who went on from uh, the Amistad Academy actually went to a major university. I mean, real big universities like Brown and Yale and and Princeton and other universities. And uh, of those uh, 90%, 60% actually graduated, which is a very, very high figure. In, uh, in, uh, in New Canaan, for example, it's less than 60%. And so, uh, they, so well, you're right about one job. thing. Chris did his internship at a public school in the South Bronx, and he said he shook his head and he said, those poor kids have no shot. They have no chance at all. They start, right. they start behind everybody else. Right. That's true. Well, I asked this woman who started, uh, you know, who was co-founded uh, the Amstead Academy, and she's uh, founded other, other school, other like uh, charter schools uh, in the, over the years. Uh, wh- whether she was going to open any more schools in Connecticut, and she said absolutely not. Uh, we're opening schools in Rhode Island, New York, but not Connecticut. So I said, why? Why? Why aren't you opening schools here? And she said, when they started, when they established charter schools, the uh, legislature, the General Assembly, underpriced uh, the schools by 17%. We just can't do it. Well, let's so, get back on topic here for a second, Don. Was it a good idea to shut down the business for these uh, for the coronavirus, or did we go too far? Uh, I think we went much too far. Uh, what we needed was a, what, what we really needed there uh, was a measured, uh, measured response that uh, took into account differences in different areas of Connecticut. I had a, some areas were impacted very, very bad, uh, down around uh, Fairfield County, uh, New Haven, uh, and, and, and Hartford. Uh, lots of uh, deaths, lots of uh, people uh, afflicted with uh, coronavirus. But in other parts of the state, the, 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 uh, you know, the, 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 the few deaths, uh, and uh, very, very few um, people afflicted with uh, coronavirus. So my question was, and you know, I asked this a long time ago, uh, why couldn't we have, you know, a different uh, regimen in uh, those parts of the state that weren't severely attacked, that weren't severely uh, un- under uh, the coronavirus? And um, I, nobody has been able to answer that particular question. And what kind uh, Mike, of governor do we have, by the way, Don, who thinks hey, he's raising our spirits by taking a flag, the state flag, from half staff to full staff? And he thinks that's picking up our spirits. Picking well, up. Know, our, I think. Go ahead. I'm sorry. The uh, the the, uh, the jury may still be out on uh, on Nidlaman. I I called him when he first uh, occupied the office, uh, Malloy too. Um, and uh, <laughs> I think uh, I think he he was, but uh, what's happened with coronavirus is um, it's enabled uh, him to uh, become uh, not only uh, to discharge not only the responsibilities of the governor, but also to discharge the responsibilities of the legislature. Well, it's given uh, him a so, chance to be uh, a, to, to do a power grab. Make all of us yeah. stay inside, quarantine all of us. You saw how mad, yeah. mad that got Mike Walsh 
Anyway, now's the time to play this soundbite. Remember this oldie but goodie, Don? Budget says Connecticut is open for business. We are open for business. Well, that's not the case, is it, Don? Uh, you know, he said that after major businesses left the state. So, yeah. <laughs> but no, it's not. It's not the case. And we're uh, not open uh, for business yet. No, and uh, we're closed. Uh, along comes the coronavirus. Along comes the political response to coronavirus, and uh, all businesses are um, are um, shut down. The legislature is suspended. Uh, you know, they, they, those people are in a state of of a, of a suspended animation. Um, so, who's left? Uh, the person who's left is um, is Lamont. He's the he's the capo di capi of Connecticut governors. <laughs> no, That's the perfect no way of putting it. Yeah, well, no other Connecticut governor has had uh, has has been able to, to dispose of the powers that he's disposing of. I mean, uh, try to imagine uh, try to imagine somebody like uh, somebody like Bill O'Neill. Uh, telling uh, hair salon owners you, you can't open for business, you know, uh, or, or El Grasso. Try to imagine that. It never would have happened. Um, so, um, you know, people say that people in, in the news business, in my business, uh, are always say, blaming everything on coronavirus as if it were the cause of our political troubles. It's not. Uh, the, the, the coronavirus is a virus. Uh, you know, it wasn't coronavirus that closed down uh, major institutions. In That's a great point. Yeah, that was that was governor. That was governor um, Governor Lamont. He's the one who did that. They've shut so, down uh, our freedom to assemble, and they've shut down our freedom to worship as we as we choose. But you can go buy pot, and you can go gamble, and you can yeah, and you can buy booze all you, you want. You can buy booze, right? You can you can buy booze, and you can probably even you probably even can uh, <clears throat> pray openly uh, in a in a liquor store, but you can't do it in a church. You know, That's right. <laughs> praise well, praise the Lord for this uh, that you give me, Scotch. <laughs> Thank you to for this bourbon. Of, to a lot of people, that just doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense at all. Here's the other thing, Jim. You know. If some of some schools had been opened, if they remained open, then the administrators in those schools would have been able to police, to police, to ensure that uh, that the uh, regimen uh, uh, decided upon by Lamont and his uh, his uh, 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 and other people he was consulting were actually enforced. They're like policemen, you know. They're enforcers. They enforce these kinds of things. Well, so, that's so yeah. That's what I was, was. I was. I'm sorry. I was looking at the gathering today. Um, do you think that really, when they change their system in the fall, that's what they're thinking with the kids um, that they are not going to gather once again? The kids are going to be the first ones to mingle and to gather. So when they close the schools, that was the stupidest thing they've done. I think. Yeah, sure. You know what it's like? It's like um, it's like uh, discharging all the uh, all the state police, and then uh, hiking uh, the the penalty for speeding. It's not going to work mm. because there's no one, nobody to enforce the law. Right. And this is what's this is what's happening. But I you mean, have two one one. But you have two one one. You have snitches. 
Yeah, that's right. You have two on one. You can always snitch on those hikers. Bring your cell phone with you. Call the, should, call the commie any, police. Why should any rational person in the state of Connecticut suppose that uh, Governor Lamont is better situated uh, to decide what happens in a salon than the salon? Thank alone? you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Don. That's exactly it. That bears repeating. Who says that Governor Lamont knows better than we know ourselves? He doesn't know right. better and, than we know ourselves. And when you have when you have a system of government that's top down like this, uh, what you're doing is you're eliminating uh, you're eliminating the possibility of creative intervention. Uh, you know, so uh, things don't happen. Because uh, the order comes down from uh, from Ned Lamont that uh, you know salons are closed. If salons were to remain open, if they were they were to remain open, the people who owned and worked in the salons would be able to establish a regimen that would absolutely make be, be absolutely make certain that their customers would return for their second salon uh, treatment. Okay. Because they have a direct interest there. Ned Lamont has no interest in salons. I mean, he, he doesn't. He has no interest there. He has no. He, there's no monetary interest for him. And there are no, no votes motion. there either. Yeah, there's no business interest. Nothing. Um, so uh, all they're doing, you know, uh, Walsh says, you know, you flatten the curve. All you're doing is you're extending uh, the amount of time uh, necessary uh, for for natural immunity to occur. Uh, natural immunity is really the cure for uh, coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Don, I'm listening to Fox Radio News about two in the morning this morning, and they said that Connecticut was the last state of the 50 states or 57 states if you're Barack <laughs> Obama, but was the last state to actually open up for business. Does that surprise you, Don? No, it doesn't surprise me. I think, but it all happens around uh, the around, similar time from some late the first, from say the first of May uh, to the twentieth of May. Uh, you know, the, he's he's opening. Lamont is partially opening the state, but he's imposing on uh, on the places that he plans to open such a such a severe regimen that uh, people are not going to be frequenting uh, those uh, places. I mean, they just won't do it. And uh, so, uh, you know, he's making he's, he's opening businesses and he's making it impossible at the same time for people to do business. Yeah. Why is that sensible? How about this one? Sending cops out to harass no mask wearers while letting dangerous criminals out on the street. That's from Morgan. Yeah. How is that one? That that makes a lot, makes of, sense. A lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. You know, uh, all that started with uh, all that started with. Uh, uh, the Malloy administration and the uh, get out of jail early credits uh, program. I, I don't. Uh, yeah. Uh. It, that, that's where all that started. And how uh, worried. But, uh, I've uh, now how, been in 57 states. I think one left to go. Uh, one left to go. Uh, Alaska and Hawaii I was not allowed to go to, even though I really wanted to visit. <laughs> but my staff would not uh, justify it. So you couldn't uh, go to Alaska and Hawaii. Because his staff wouldn't justify it, but he's been in fifty-seven states. All right, come on, he made a mistake. Okay, yeah, it's a mistake (laughs) worth repeating over and over again. Yeah, well, it is, but come on. Um, The other, um, have you been watching Neil Cavuto lately at all? 
Yeah, I, I saw a couple of his most recent broadcasts. What is his crusade? What is his crusade? You know, Against hydroxychloroquine? And, well, because president said that he's taking it. So the president also passed a bill where you have a right to choose, right? So, or right to try, right to try. Uh, which means that if you are, um, if you have a condition that um, there is no medication for that is approved by FDA, that you can try it. Jim has been through that himself. And so now president decided that um, just because, not just because, but because there is a uh, anecdotal evidence that uh, hydroxychloroquine um, helps or, or... I've been taking Plaquenil now for more than 20 Plaquenil, years. Plaquenil, hydroxychloroquine is the same, same thing. thing. By the way, for most people, for you, it isn't because it's a different compound. But anyway, so the president decided to take it um, to pre- prevent uh, the coronavirus from from his, himself. And he's been criticized beyond because he said it's safe. Well, you know what? If you say that aspirin is safe, you're lying because it might not be safe for everybody. So nothing is safe. But Don, I have so much plaquenil or hydroxychloroquine in me. I must, it's like having garlic around my neck. Uh, the <laughs> but, vampires are just staying away. The COVID-19 virus wouldn't come near right, me. Right. But that was not my question. What do you think his uh, chip is? Cavudos. Oh, Cavuto? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I I think he, you know, you're only as good as the information you get from uh, from quote-unquote experts. So he's talking to one expert who says... Who it's dangerous, said, yeah. He told him that, uh, you know, it has, it has no, no positive effect uh, at all, and it may have a deleterious effect. And he, he went with that. I don't think that's, uh, I don't think that's entirely true. Well, he I had two it, experts at the same day, and one said, absolutely not, and the other said, absolutely yes. And it was a right. man and a woman. So um, we probably watched the same one. Monday or Tuesday. We're talking with Connecticut conservative columnist and RadioViceOnline.com contributor Don Pesci. Don's a good it friend, is. and nobody knows Connecticut better than Don. Yeah, you know, um, here's the thing. You know, what it, what it sounds to me is the um, the appeal to science, you know. Uh, there's <laughs> people who hold, who hold a position A uh, appeal to science, not scientists. And uh, people who hold a position that is not a appeal to science and not scientists. Uh, the science, there is no science uh, that, that can tell us definitely when we should open businesses in the state of Connecticut. That's not science. Uh, you know, science is just a collection of, uh, a collection of uh, propositions that have over a long period of time proven to be, uh, proven to be uh, true. Uh, and uh, we we don't know, and we have to be modest about this stuff and admit to ourselves what we don't know. Uh, so there's lots of things about coronavirus that we don't know. Uh, it's it's, it's, it's there, there are some people on one side of the barricades who say that uh, face masks are good. There are other people on the other side of the barricade who say that people have been induced because of the lack of uh, proper face masks to wear their own. And when they wear their own in stop and shop or places like that, it's worse than having no mask at all. Let me so, just remind it, my audience that the Mike Walsh interview is coming up next. So there's no science here. You know, there's a, there, there are scientists 
disagree about certain points. And uh, my position is the same as Walsh's. Uh, politicians should make political decisions, and scientists, uh, medical people, doctors should make medical decisions. And you said and, that a while uh, ago. You, know, that, you said that a while ago. Right. That's a very good point. Um, right. we don't, uh, I, don't want, I don't want a doctor... Uh, deciding uh, deciding uh, uh, how many schools should open in Connecticut. I don't want that. You know, I want a politician to make that decision. And I want and I want not just one politician, namely Governor Lamont, to make that decision. I want the whole government of the state of Connecticut uh, in assembly to make that decision. That means the governor. That means the general assembly. John, we've we've got to move along to the Mike Walsh interviews. We don't want to let you go because you are so knowledgeable, and I really enjoy Jim does two conversation. You're great. We're just talking about how great you are on the podcast. You're so much more relaxed than when you were on the radio. We like you in the podcast. (laughs) I I love it. It's very conversational. That's because both of you guys are are very uh, very uh, relaxed and relaxing, and you know what you're doing, so it helps. Uh, oh, you're too kind. You should have seen the beginning. <laughs> we couldn't we couldn't scramble it together. But thank you. <laughs> uh, well, everybody has technical problems, you know. And we are the producers and the uh, hosts, producers and engineers. Right. Right. I hope you can come so, uh, come on soon again because you're you're the yeah, best. Please, you're I the didn't best do best. you justice this time. So, All right, um, sure. Um, so you don't mind if we call you, you up quick, right? Absolutely, anytime you want. Don Pesci, everybody. Take a bow, Don. Coming up now is... Go ahead, Don. I say thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, Don. Okay. Go to donpesci.blogspot.com. Don, did you post at radioadviceonline.com or not? He always does. I did. Okay. If you want to read his latest column, go to radioadviceonline.com. And scroll to it. You'll see it there. Right. Don right. is a loyal contributor. Thanks, Don. Don, we'll talk to you soon, okay? Okay, Jane. We'll see you, Jim. Okay, bye. Okay, now here's um, best-selling author and screenwriter, Michael Walsh. And you can, uh, Rudy, you cannot talk to Mike. It's a pre-recorded, unfortunately, because he's not in uh, U.S. He's, My guest uh, is Mike Walsh, uh, author and screenwriter. Well, my favorite book they wrote is Rules for Radical Conservatives. That's my favorite book. Uh, Jane's is Devil's Pleasure Palace. All great books. Any one of them you should get. Rules for Radical Conservatives is um, a takeoff, obviously, on Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals. What, what would you call it, a parody? or a, How would you describe that book, Mike? Well, it was written in the voice of a, of a liberal named David Kahane. Uh, it's about 10 years old now, but it still has a lot to tell conservatives how leftists think. But my new book that's coming out in the fall is called Last Stands, and that's about military history from the Greeks to the present, really, up through the Korean War. This is a great book. The subtitle is Why Do Men Fight Even When They Know They Have No Chance? Why do they continue to fight for victory? This will be a great book when it comes out. You can pre-order it right now at Amazon.com. And it's a cultural and historical and military analysis of famous 
last stand battles, starting with Thermopylae, where the Greeks held off the Persians for three days, the Spartans especially, and going up to the Marine Corps at the Chosen Reservoir in Korea in 1950, a battle that my father fought in and survived. So uh, it takes in all of the sweep of history among those battles, and it's really a book about toxic masculinity and why we need it. Unlike our current U.S. senator in Connecticut, Mike actually actually comes from a real military family, a family that actually fought for this country. Mike actually was stationed. Yeah, like Toys for Tots, that's for sure. Yeah, instead of (laughs) Captain Toys for Tots, exactly. Um, That's what I was hoping I'd get a shot out of you. Anyway, the other thing I wanted to ask you was, you were stationed in, your father was stationed in Hawaii for a while? Yes. Yes, we spent stationed all over uh, the world, really. Um, Hawaii, California, Washington, D.C. Here comes the money stuff from Mike now on the upcoming elections. I was stunned at this. Uh, I've lived in Europe so for many years. I'm here now. So uh, we're a very international family. Uh, Mike, uh, so let's get into this. Let's get into the uh, madness of crowds, shakes, and American freedoms. Um, Well, I wrote that uh, yesterday, and it seems to be quite popular on the Epic Times website. I've been writing for them for a couple of months now and find it a a very congenial experience. Uh, Essentially, I'm appalled. I've been stuck here in Europe since January 11th. Uh, when I left Connecticut to fly to London and thought I would go home to Ireland for a while, and then I've been stuck here ever since. But stuck is very uh, inappropriate term since it's an extremely pleasant place with no neighbors, so it's the easiest place to uh, ride out quarantine that you could possibly have. Uh, but it's quarantine itself that makes me angry, and it's the bovine, a word that's an important word, not to be confused with bovine, but bovine, which is like sheep, acceptance of what's really outrageous constitutional violations uh, that has been um, uh, an event that has been incredibly mishandled by governments all over the world, including the American government. Uh, And just the sheer stupidity of people following blindly these half-baked notions about a medical emergency that is really no worse than the Hong Kong flu of 1968-69, which, by the way, nobody talked about. Um, We had the Olympics that year in Mexico City in October of 68. We had a couple of Apollo trips. We had the men on the moon in the summer of 69. We had Woodstock, and we had the Manson family, all in this period of... Uh, pandemic. So I believe we've uh, overreacted to it, and I also think worse that we've let governments establish the norm that we can be essentially kept under house arrest, uh, and there's nothing we can do about it. And I think it's a disgrace, and I think it's an especial disgrace for the United States. Well, did you think that the two weeks to flatten the line might have been doable and then just uh, let everybody out, and instead they just It seems like they made up the two weeks, flattened the line, and they just keep stretching it out and stretching it out, and there's no end to it. And they're coming up with these scenarios of what the school is going to look like in the fall, things like that. Um, 
Yeah, I, well, flatten the curve doesn't do anything. It doesn't save anybody's life. All it does is slow the spread of the disease. And it seems very clear as we look at this that, as I say on Twitter, get it, get over it, and get on with it. Until everybody gets it, or until a sizable over 50% of the population gets it. And by the way, getting it means you might not even know you have it, or it might be something that seems like a very bad cough or a very bad cold for a while. But until we achieve the herd immunity, which is the approach the Swedes have taken, uh, it's not going to matter. You can have a steep curve or a flat curve, but in the end, the same number of people are going to be infected. So that was a ridiculous idea in the first place, although... Uh, some countries, like Ireland, for example, are just slavishly devoted to the idea. And we've moved the goalposts from flatten the curve to crush the curve to, oh, my God, we can't do anything until we get a vaccine. Oh, my God, we'll never get a vaccine. Well, I guess we're in jail forever. That's I mean, this is where this is going. That's the question I'm going to put to you guys. Did we do the right thing by shutting down business? Or do you agree with Mike Walsh and Don Pesci? that it was too much, we went overboard on this. Listen to what he has to say about the upcoming election. And anyone who's lived through totalitarianism, as I know you have, Yana, uh, understands this. But Americans don't, and it comes to them in the guise of someone being solicitous about your health, and in the end it's making sheep out of everybody. I think it's disgraceful. Absolutely. Um, yeah, well, at first I was saying it would have been so much easier to achieve because the people that lived under the totalitarianism, they're um, prone to uh, just stop and listen to the government. But you know what? It would have taken probably a week or two as well. Um, there are people that are um, rising up and people that are upset over here too. They're not, not everybody is just dumb and lame. Mike, the thing that really got Yana was this. When Governor, Governor Lamont actually set up a snitch line, if you see somebody breaking his uh, quarantine, just dial 211 and he'll come and send the police and shut them down. Just like in communism, correct, Jane? Yes. It, they, they had snitches then to keep track of everybody. Right. So Sam says we went overboard. Well, they- yeah, well, there's snitch lines elsewhere, too. And uh, people wonder, oh, in East Germany, one out of every three people was an informant for the Stasi. That would never happen here. Oh, yeah, it just <laughs> did. So now let's all shut up about East Germany and let's try to fix our own country. Right. You now, know- let me say we have a special treat here, because while Yana used to live in the Eastern Bloc countries, Czechoslovakia under communism, Mike used to cover it as well. Correct, Mike? Yeah, I was in Berlin and Moscow and all over Eastern Europe between 1985 and 1991. So I got a good, good uh, close-up look at the, the effects of totalitarianism on, on society. And what worries me most about this idiotic Chinese virus, the Wuhan flu, um, is the effect it's having on society. As I said in my column today, the only time there should be six feet of separation between human beings is when one of them is six feet under. And that's it. <laughs> that's, oh, that's the best. That's a good point. You know, um, that's turned out to be a popular tagline on Twitter today, so you can <laughs> you can check it out. That's funny. I, you know, when I go to grocery store, I was just, I was talking about it last week. There, there are announcements about how many people can go to the store and, you know, be kind to everybody. And don't forget, we're all in it for th- uh, together. And that's just such a 
just, it just reminds me of the Kami so much. Well, it does. In fact, I, I wrote a science fiction script 10 years ago. It didn't get sold, unfortunately. But in this dystopic uh, future society, all the people are trained to shout, we're all in this together. Oh. And oh my God. it's so funny for me to hear what's supposed to be a scary tagline in that movie come back in real life. So here we are. We're all in it together, right? Uh-huh. Except for the people who aren't. Uh-huh. You know. You know, oh. like the Hollywood people that are pretending that they're at home or, or Cuomo, uh, his little cousin or his little brother. But pretend- it is such a commie line. We're all in this together. all in this together. Let's get to the political part at the very end of this. Uh, reproduced throughout art history, especially in the Middle Ages and in the Renaissance. Uh, the Romans that way got not only children, women of childbearing age, but they also got an ally in the Sabines because what they found that happened was rather than the Sabine women fighting them, they immediately capitulated to the Romans. And so the Sabine men could no longer fight with the Romans because now the women said, don't fight with, this is the father of my child, this is my husband, this is the... Women converted so fast, in in other words, they did not fight to the end. And, And it's a very important sexual distinction that we have to keep in mind. So that's one of the subtexts that runs through the book. It's why I'm not particularly enamored of female soldiers and cops and uh, girls in what are traditionally, for a reason, masculine professions. Yeah, you had that opinion no, I about female... I just won the feminist argument, haven't I? You, no, <laughs> no, you had that same opinion about uh, female presidents. Females that don't have children should not be presidents. I remember you saying that. I kind of agree because I when I look at... I don't. Okay, never went to Maggie Thatcher, Maggie Thatcher. Okay, there was one. Uh, name another one. Uh, Queen Elizabeth I. Okay, that's two. Now we're out, right? Uh, certainly not Angela Merkel in Germany. Uh, I think there's a, a, a tendency in the female psyche to uh, look for consensus and... Uh, and nurturing. So-called be nurturing. You, be you, nurturing. Women stab each other in the back much more than men do because there's no way for women to sort out their own internal hierarchy. It's really hard. Every man Can knows you pause it for just one second? Every man in groups of men. The, uh, the backstabbing between women, that, that is the thing of the past because now that what they're doing with men, they're competing in girls' sports. They're all getting, what does he call it, um, uh, rush. Russian Ball calls it chickification. Chickification of yeah. men. Yeah, and that's what they're doing. Boys are acting like boys, and they take pills because they're acting like boys. They're really screwing up with everything. Do you realize that? They don't want boys to act like boys. No, they, they don't. Like and girls. as annoying as it is, and I can't imagine having a boy, but boys okay, let's are boys. Finish up with Mike's. Uh, All right, I'll shut up. I'll get, I get you. Put themselves out from the time they're little boys on the playground. Who's, who's the commander and who's the followers? Women don't do that, and as a result, you have a, a real problem. As every woman who's ever worked for a female boss knows, you have a real problem with backstabbing and behind the arras. It's all like Polonius and Hamlet, you know, hiding behind yeah. the, the arras. And I had Hamlet a female boss. She was him. my best. Uh, we've got real cultural distinctions that we're losing, uh, as I discussed in Devil's Pleasure Palace and the Fiery Angel. Uh, and we're moving forward in the world against an enemy that doesn't subscribe to any of our postmodern notions of, of sex and, uh, and relationships. So uh, 
all this is coming to a head, and we're unfortunately living in very interesting times. I forgot to talk about Fiery Angel, another one of my favorites, because it's so topical right now. That's the most pleasure palace, right? Well, Jane is the one who got really enjoyed reading Devil's Pleasure Palace. But to be a Mike Walsh you. devotee, you really have to know your stuff. You were saying, Jane. Yeah, I know. It's it's very it's it's loaded with information, and you really have to pay attention to everything. So it took me a while <laughs> to get through it. Well, considering that in your second language, Jane, that's pretty good because I use a lot of big words, as you know. Yes, you do. <laughs> All right. Multisyllabic words. Let me get your opinion on this again, Mike. I've never seen anything Mm -hmm. like this. Barack Obama, listen to this. More than anything, this pandemic has fully, finally torn back the curtain on the idea that so many of the folks in charge know what they're doing. A lot of them aren't even pretending to be in charge. If the world's going to get better, it's going to be up to you. Just shut up and go away, would you please? Everything's suddenly feeling to your 57th state. This is your time to seize the initiative. I've never seen anybody take a a former president, take a shot at the current president. But he came right out and he did. Of course, Trump came back and said this. To uh, President Obama's uh, speeches over over the weekend. Look, I think he was an incompetent president. I think President (laughs) Obama was one of the worst presidents in the history of our country. I think he was an incompetent president. I know what. I mean, you got to love it. You hit me, I'm going to hit you twice as hard. Why would Barack Obama do that, Mike? Well, Barack Obama has no respect for America, as, as he made quite clear. Uh, why would he have any respect for the unwritten parts of the traditions, which are that former presidents uh, are, are not seen and not heard? He stayed in Washington, which violated all tradition that, that the, the president should leave. Now, this goes back to the Romans, of course, too, is that you had whole notion of exile, which if someone got too powerful or looked to be a threat to the current government, they would exile them for a certain term. It was a year or with some amount of, of time because they, you can't have two presidents. And we're finding out that Catholics can't have two popes either. I wish we had the old pope, <laughs> but we were stuck with the, the Marxist. From I do too. I wish we had Benedict back. Yeah, but Benedict never should have quit, so that's, that's on him. Uh, you can't have two presidents, you can't have two popes, you can't have... The only people who ever made that system of government work were the Romans when they had two consuls a year, they, left, they had a term of one year, and then they were gone. Uh, some of them came back, Caesar was consul for, on several occasions until he made himself dictator, and then dictator for 10 years, and then dictator for life, and then they killed him about two weeks later. Uh, because he was a threat to the Republic. Now, it turns out he was the end of the Republic. But this this struggle for power that the Democrats clearly are, that's all they're in it for now, um, is really a problem. And, and Obama is a disgrace, but we know that. And he's angling to come back and be meaningful uh, in some way, shape, or form. He's got his mansion in... Uh, Martha's Vineyard, and he's got uh, a house. Where else did he buy? Well, he's got his big house in Colorado and Washington. He's got his house in Chicago. Uh, I think they've rented a place in Hollywood, too, because after all, they're not movie producers, mostly about movies about Michelle. So 
uh, we're just in a whole different world now, Jim, and the right didn't put up enough fight because they assumed goodwill on the part of their enemies. And as you know from reading Rules for Radical Conservatives, one of David Cain's maxims is uh, treat us with the same civility that we This is where he brings up Michelle Obama as a vice presidential candidate. Identify your enemy, and after you identify your enemy, make sure that that sticks who your enemy is. You have to sort of label them, whatever it's called. I remember you talking about Well, one of the lessons we learned from military history is that magnanimity is only possible after total victory. You can't be magnanimous to a foe that can still fight you. You can't break off the fight and say, okay, now we're just going to negotiate. And uh, Caesar actually tried this. Caesar, a little forgotten fact of history, is that Brutus and Cassius, who we know from the Shakespeare plays particularly, uh, fought against Caesar. They fought with Pompey. And uh, they were defeated uh, at by, which is in Greece, by the way, but by Caesar's legions against Pompey's. And Caesar then forgave them. Brutus himself was the scion of a very distinguished Roman, also named Brutus, in, in the Roman Republic past. And to take phone calls in about one and minute. Them close to him, and the they question is, the killing blows did we all overboard? Did we close things so, too soon, uh, correct? They didn't get the memo yep. that you're supposed to be. Did we nice close to too much for too long? Uh, my guest has been writer, Mike, author, Mike Walsh. Mike has a new book coming out called, is it called Last Stands? Last Stands, that's it. I yep. can't it's wait available for it. now on Amazon for pre-order. We won't be out in hardcover and, and available until the first week of December. It's a, it's a Christmas book for all of you uh, men out there and the women who love men. Um, and that's what, that's what we hope our audience will be. And I encourage everybody to take a look on Amazon right now. Last Stands. Okay. Absolutely, last stands, and I encourage you to get Rules for Radical Conservatives. Absolutely, you must get that, and The Devil's Pleasure Palace, and Fiery Angel. Mike actually thinks the Democrats might take over the House and the Senate, because the Republicans won't fight. Uh, What do you think, and Michelle Obama will get the vice presidential nod, or could get it. He didn't say she would, but he said if the Democrats would were smart, which they're not. They would nominate her to be the vice presidential candidate because, let's face it, he said, whoever runs as VP for Joe Biden will be president at some point. Because Joe at is the just, very point of him being sworn in, you think? <laughs> that could be. Here's Joe Biden confusing the number of deaths with the number of unemployed. This is not a moment for excuses or deflections or blame game. We're, 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 it's a, we're in the middle of a pandemic that had cost us more than 85,000 jobs as of today. Lives of millions of people. 85,000 jobs, know, lives of I billions know. of people. I know, but you know what? I'm kind of sick of making fun of sick man. Oh, I see what you mean. In other words... Well, that means whoever is vice presidential candidate will eventually be president. Eventually, like right after him being sworn in, yes. Probably, they, They'll yes. bring him to a retirement home. Okay, let's take phone done. calls now. Um, 860-996-0308 or 860-888-2101 if anybody wants to chime in. I said uh, in the comments in the chat room that um, 
I had exceptional boss. My boss was female and she became my friend and uh, she was exceptional. And then I called Obama a girl. That's why he was such a backstabber and had those comments about President Trump. And I was corrected. Um, I Sally, I'd like to know how your business is doing after this shutdown. I'd like to hear from a small business person in the audience if I could. I heard from today, I ran into a... um, girl that used to cut my hair and I asked her if she was going to go back. She's not working. She said she's not going back if if uh, she has to wear a mask and all all the precautions that would have to be taken um, that are dictated um, to open, she would not be going back. So we're all going to be lined up at the hair salons now. That's going to be shortage. Can you imagine? You're not going to be in line for toilet paper. You're going to be in line for a haircut. You'll be in line for toilet paper first time for a haircut. Anyways, um, I was saying that I was agreeing with Mike Walsh. However, there are exceptions. And there's a lot of women that um, I, I worked with and girls when I was growing up. I had a difficult time. I was not a girly girl. I was not. It was not easy for me. And there were some women that I could get along with and some I couldn't. I didn't have that big of a problem with men. Um, How about you, dear? You had problem with women. They were abusing you when you were, you told me a couple of stories where you you would not be heard. That's true when I was in television. Right. So women are um, not easy. (gasps) She's going to correct me. Hey, there's my girlfriend. Go ahead, correct me. <laughs> Sally, how you doing? Sally, how have you been doing since this whole thing took place? It's been pretty hard. I'm not going to lie. Hey, what happened with that employee? <laughs> let me let me reintroduce the story. Sally had to shut down and everybody was receiving government check and then Sally was going to reopen and was be was informed by her employee that the employee wants the same money that was he or she was getting from the government. So Sally was going to get rid of the employee but now she can't. Did you So think- uh, so I um had the employee, she went on unemployment. I called her back off unemployment, said, you're going to stay home for eight weeks. I'm going to pay you your average 2019 income that you had received for eight weeks to stay home. Be safe. You don't have to come to work. And that was April 28th. So she wasn't have to come back. That's so nice of you. I think, well, I mean, I also had the loan and that was the terms of the loan. So, but she was like, you don't have to do anything. I'm going to figure everything out. You're going to stay home until June 28th. Now, this was April 28th. We were getting tossed back and forth of what had to be implemented. What do you got to do? And her, she came back with me with not just requests of what she needed, but also she wanted a raise, which is a whole other. I'm stunned at this. All because the (laughs) government pays you more not to work. Yeah. Yeah. So, in order for me to keep the loan, now, mind you, this was early on. In order for me to keep the loan, I had to pay her the eight weeks of income. She didn't want to come off of unemployment. And when I talked to her, she's like, no, no, I'm doing better off of this. It was, it was a horrifying thing. So she 
refused to come off of an unemployment, which basically says she quit, but I had to get that in writing. And I called the SBA and I called the bank and I said, I don't know what to do. I'm paying her to stay home and be safe for eight weeks while I figure this out. That's terrible. She she screamed at me, said I was a selfish person, that how how dare I do this and only think of myself. I'm going to think of myself now, which was her words. I'm going to take care of my family now, which were her words. So the SBA said, send her a letter in writing with your offer. And the offer was, as stated, you're going to come off of unemployment per this date. You're going to be paid to stay home and stay safe for this amount of money, which you, your average, you earned for 2019. You earned that. You're going to be paid to stay home. You're not going to be harmed. You're going to be safe. Mm-hmm. Center that, all she had to do was send a letter back and say, I accept or not accept. She sent me a letter back with a boatload of requests. Mm-hmm. And basically kind of kind of saying that I wasn't a safe boss for which I was paying her to stay home to be safe for eight weeks, but whatever. She wanted that extra 600 bucks. Anyway, back and forth, she ended up not accepting my offer to stay home and stay safe. Now we have... To stay home and get paid? Are you kidding? Saying, the governor saying, okay, you know, back up. You get to open up May 20th. They gave us that, I think it was mm, April 30th was the date that we got the, the, you, this is what you need to have. You're going to open May 20th. So lots of salon owners, I mean, we hit that ground running. Like, we know, okay, you gave us what we needed. This is what we need to do. <laughs> Mind you, I haven't had any, that loan I took out was nothing. It, it, it paid my rent for two months. It paid for her income for for two months. Like, I'm starving here. My husband was laid off. We got nothing. So, Sally, are you opened? No, I didn't fight the law, Jim. (laughs) I I will open on June 1st, and I have a backlog of clients. I shifted 256 clients around to make this work, but I spent $3,000 on freaking PE. That's so unbelievably... It blows my mind. I was so ready. You're going to pull the plug 48 hours because other people couldn't get their act together? It's inexcusable. It's inexcusable. It's I'm sorry. But they all had the same time frame. You know, what she's talking about, you know what Sally's talking about, right? Yeah. They knew what to prepare for and some people chose not to do it. And some people went and spent the money on preparing their salons and uh, barber shops. And because of the people that chose not to do whatever. You should tell everybody what Sally does. Sally has a a company called Cuts for Peanuts, correct? Correct, Sally? And Sally cuts especially children. But you do somebody somebody like me too. I specialize in children, yes, yes. And and, and special needs. And it's a small space. So my space is perfect for this situation. It's just you and me. And the other per- employee that I had, it would be her and the other side, the other, it's a one-on-one situation. The fact that I was shut down because 
other stylists weren't able to handle this is complete BS. Mm. They chose not to act when they gave the guidelines. That's not my fault. And you know what? That's like simple business. People that create are going to create. And if you can't do it, drop off. That that just sounds awful. That just sounds. <laughs> It's been an interesting drive. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. What so? What do you have now? Two weeks before you open. I have two weeks to open, and I have everything implemented at the salon. My clients know that I have everything. Jim, I have so much stuff. There, it's ridiculous how prepared I was for opening day. So now I'm on vacation. You're in Avon, correct? Cuts for peanuts is in Avon. It's in Avon. Yep. And you actually have mobile cutting. Is that true too? I do. I travel to uh, families with uh, that that are unable to get out. So I, I accommodate accommodate many levels. So you accommodate people with disabilities then? I do. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Sally, you would accommodate the vice switches? I would. I would. And I have all the PPE that's necessary. <laughs> well, can you come tomorrow? Because he looks If like... If you're watching cr- live, take a look. I'm doing my best like- Albert Einstein. <laughs> well, I would have- love to come to you guys tomorrow, but unfortunately, I cannot operate my business until... June 1st, June 1st. I'm taking it seriously. Uh, yeah, somebody'll yeah. call the snitch line. On yeah, two one one. Yeah, I can't. I I I would love to. Unfortunately, yeah, no. I am taking. I I'm I'm following the rules and I'm being a good. I'm becoming. Citizen. I'm becoming oh. a hairdresser tomorrow. Or Sally, barber. Sally, <laughs> d- Sally, did you ever believe we'd live in a state where there's a snitch line? No, no, no. It. Well, Where brother turns on brother and neighbor turns on neighbor and competitor turns on competitor. Welcome to 1939 Czechoslovakia. Anyways, we're going to have to get going Thank here. You. Love you guys. Thanks Love you too, Thanks, Sally. Sally. Thank you so much. And Bye. let us know next week, okay? Cuts for peanuts in Avon, Connecticut. <laughs> you guys Bye. are great. Love Bye. you guys. Bye. Love you too. Bye. All right. Um, I'm going to my dinner. Should I play the go- traveling music? Yes. Okay, here we go. I turn the sound up, Jim. Well, thank you for joining well, us. Well, I won't back Jack. down. No, um, I won't. We'll be back, back next week, right? Down. We will. We had you two shows today. We did. We were on at noon. Thank you very much. We will not back down. We'll always stand for a smaller, leaner, less intrusive government. And I want to thank my two guests, Don Pesci, conservative columnist at RadioViceOnline.com. And Mike Walsh, a well-known author, best-selling author. Now, his latest book coming out is called Last Stands. You can go to Amazon right now. And speaking of books, Jane's book is coming out, hopefully, in what, two, two or three weeks. Maybe less, hopefully. They can as print as faster than that. It's publisher. All, everything yeah. is together. We just need to talk and get it done. Please get it done. Anyways, thank you for joining us. Right? Yep. Okay. Thank you, guys, very much. I did want to read one more thing, though, if I could. uh, Here's Jane's book in a nutshell. Yana Kondalva, a.k.a. Jane Benson, was born December 22, 1986. 1968. 
in Ustinadlabem, Czech Republic. She managed to escape to to freedom in 1988 and was there a real Iron Curtain? When they talk about the Iron Curtain, everybody knows about the Berlin Wall, but Winston Churchill called it an Iron Curtain that separated the East from the West. Was there really an Iron Curtain? Barber, barbed wire. Around everything, and if you went for a hike somewhere and you wandered a little bit further, you were approached by an um, armed patrol with the, with the German Shepherd. So they really would shoot you if you tried to cross that. Cross that border from east to west. They shot a lot of people, yes. They did? So you were dying to get out. So to those people in this country that think socialism is so great, uh, there were people in where Jane grew up were dying to get out. Literally dying to get out. It is. It's time for Tucker. We'll see you guys next Wednesday. Well, I won't back down. No, I won't back down You can stand me up at the gates of hell But I won't back down Gonna stand my ground Won't be turned around And I'll keep this world from dragging me down Gonna stand my ground and I won't back down Hey, baby There ain't no easy way out Hey, I will stand my ground And I won't back down